0: But yeah, I guess it's appropriate that like I'm coming back after a week off from the main show and wrote like way too fucking long of <laughs> a <laughs> notes. Well, for you know, he's back, so folks.
1: For for yeah, he's back. Uh, so for the <laughs> listeners' sake, usually it's about like 8 or 9 pages that our notes are uh today it was 17 pages of of pure text it was similar well, to like you know those well. websites that haven't been done where it's like the latin just like just <laughs> filling out the web page it was like that but with real
0: information it's to
2: be fair warm, every other some. page is an ascii art <laughs>
0: And a couple of very, like, very high-resolution spinning GIFs from the Geo Cities era about how this notes file is under construction.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so we are saving those stories until we have 1,000 patrons and can <laughs> afford to do another
0: show during the week. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's, if you'd like to see that, <laughs> that's right. Get all your friends to sign up, and then you can have us narrate, literally read out ASCII text art on the show.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> God help us all if it ever comes to that.
0: Look, if somebody <laughs> gets us to a thousand patrons, I'll record an episode where I do that. That's worth it.
2: <laughs> Some, I mean, it's good to have ideas. Like, if I, w- there's a week where we might not have a beep beep, lettuce, a beep beep Lettuce episode. I was thinking about putting together like a DJ set. I don't know if reading out ascii art is (laughs) 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 quite in the same
0: category i I mean your idea is like fun and cool and something people would want whereas mine is just like uh uh, a sisyphean (laughs) A it's, it's performance beat of punishment yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to start a fresh twitter
1: account we're going hi- to go to every single account that it suggests to us and start doing
0: the meme review but just down the timeline mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just just <laughs> making an alt podcast account to heckle other people for having <laughs> bad memes that's right <laughs>
2: stuff. It's your number one heckling people on Twitter podcast. (laughs) No, not even close. We're at like the (laughs) bottom
0: of that list. There's like 2,000 of those shows. (laughs) I know. I'm so glad to not
1: be one of those shows, honestly. I, I, I mean, mean, like, t- I know that people like things like Minion Death Cult. Like, I'm sure that they're great and they have decent politics. But I just cannot sit there and cringe at comments. And it just, it's, it, to me, it's kind of brain rotish. To
2: me, it, the, the various social media websites all have their ups and downs. I personally like Facebook a lot. But I've been listening to Corators recently. And I got to tell you, if you want to see what it looks like when a social media website breaks through and is so insane that it generates things that you literally can't even comprehend you have to read them multiple times and then sleep and wake up and ponder (laughs) that's that website so (laughs) follow me on quora (laughs) that's
1: right (laughs) interesting uh and who are you
2: oh my name's john you can follow me on quora
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm dan and i will never use quora (laughs) i'm lena and i don't know what quora is (laughs) (laughs)
2: and we're an entirely listener supported show so thank you so much for supporting us on patreon if you do even if you don't you should hop in the discord it's a great place to learn more about stuff we talk about on the show if you're a patron and you don't have stickers yet go ahead and send us a message on patreon and we will get them to you and if you just like typing leave us a five star review on apple podcasts or anywhere you think it will help
0: absolutely so uh apologies if there isn't as much space to let all these stories breathe, but we got a lot to cover. So we're going to hop right into it, folks. And actually, with an emergent story this week that just started today, uh, this morning, one of the biggest strikes of the year of 2023 so far. Uh, Began at Rutgers, where over 9,000 faculty, postdocs, and grad student workers hit the picket line at the State University of New Jersey's primary campuses. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, about a month ago, on episode 148, we discussed, we were like, What these workers are fighting for, all the preparations they had been going into to build this strike, and especially the coordination between the various unions, because this is not just a strike with one group. Again, this is the faculty union, this is the grad student workers union, and it's postdoc workers all striking at the same time, and the first faculty strike in the university's 257-year history. Damn, that's about as
2: old as something can even be in this country.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I...
1: (laughs) I the video that they put out as their kind of like strike announcement is very good. So go check out their Twitter and watch that because it's like they are prepared for this huge strike.
2: Right. Well, and they're fighting for a lot of the same stuff that we hear from a lot of academic workers. They're fighting for uh, to fight against their lack of job security, lack of a path to tenure, replacement of tenure positions with adjuncts to save money, and, of course, low wages. And more specifically, they've been demanding raises for adjunct workers, grad student workers, and postdocs whose pitiful wages have stayed stagnant for years. Uh, and in the face of this, Rutgers is only offering 3% annual raises over the life of the proposed four-year contract, retroactive to the expiration of the last contract in July of 2022 which wouldn't even deal with inflation from just last year workers have countered with demands for a minimum of 5% per year with an escalator in case inflation exceeds that they also want grad student workers to get a minimum 36k per year up from 30k currently to provide a living wage and i really really love that they say like look these are the raises that we want but shit's fucked up and if shit continues to get worse we needed in writing that we will get actually more money than that.
1: <laughs> I like mm-hmm. that a lot. It's similar to Cola, not quite the same, but mm-hmm. I think it really is a uh, a pretty good clause to have in there.
2: Yeah, well, it's similar to like, I mean, you see when people buy a house, and they put in an offer, and then they put in an escalation clause. And they're like, if there's a lot of interest, this is what I'm actually willing to go up to. It's kind of the inverse of that, where it's like, look, we need you to pay us based on the current state of, you know, cost of living and expenses in the market. But if that gets out of hand, we need to make sure that there's a mechanism to adjust that buy that's already been agreed on.
0: Yeah, and it's funny, you know, when I was reading the stories about this and them going on strike and all the reporting, it's talking about, you know, the negotiations between the two sides and talking about how, oh, this contract that they're negotiating for is going to run through the middle of 2026. And so I thought, oh, it's a three-year contract because that's three years from now. Not realizing, oh, right, again, these workers have been – Right, and they've been bargaining for 10 months because, again, their contract – Expired back last July, and yet the school has not been willing to move on critical issues that so many of these workers really need. And it's because, again, it's funny, like we had that that story a month ago when they had the strike authorization vote. So nobody can accuse these workers of not trying to to head off a strike. Like, again, they've been they've been negotiating for nearly a year basically begging the school to be reasonable and agree to a contract with a living wage. And yet they've refused. And so, uh, you know, these workers now, as of this morning, Monday, April 10th, have hit the picket line at the campuses in Newark, Camden, and New Brunswick. And Rutgers AAUP AFT president, Rebecca Givens, said, quote, we intend for this new contract to be transformative, especially for our lowest paid and most vulnerable members. But our proposals to raise graduate workers and adjunct faculty up to a living wage and establish meaningful job security for adjuncts are exactly the ones that the administration has resisted most end quote, which is important because the school's messaging, at least today, and it, it will probably shift as the strike goes on. But the line they're trying right now is, oh, you know, it really didn't have to come to this. We were making all this progress. We we're so close. Why do we have, why do we got to have a strike? Come on, just end the strike and come back. It'll be great. It's all, we've only, it, we, we've only been trying this for 10 months. If you <laughs> give us another week.
2: Yeah, it's like the university is holding up that meme where the one guy has like, he's at the end of his tunnel and he's walking back away from the tunnel with the pickaxe, sadly. And there's a guy above him in another tunnel just going nuts. And he's like an inch from hitting a treasure Mm -hmm, trove. And then over it, it says, keep gambling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's like what the
2: university is telling the union to do.
0: (laughs) Right. And, And so, you know, Again, the it, it, the university fundamentally here has just been deciding that these workers are not worth a living wage. And so that has forced the 9,000 members of these unions to hit the picket lines to demonstrate to them, okay, bet, run your fucking school without us if we're not worth a living wage. We'll see how that goes.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh,
0: you know, of course, you know, the, the school is decrying the strike. But one of the other things that I wanted to point out is that, like, while, of course, the, the, the workers did try for 10 whole months to get this to work, the timing of the strike is also not entirely a coincidence because this is being launched less than a month before exams and graduation. So it really puts a lot of time pressure on the administration to resolve the strike quickly. And, of course, we love when the bosses are put under a lot of pressure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, and I mean they have said that they're going to continue holding classes for the somehow. 67 yeah, for the 67,000 students even though three of the biggest sectors of the education department are just going to not they're going to be on strike and somehow they're going to find thousands of <laughs> scabs? This is a wild wild thing that they are uh, claiming to be able to do. Uh, I mean, the school had previously made veiled threats to obtain an injunction declaring the strike illegal as New Jersey state law does not protect the rights of public workers— but those threats are also have also served to reinforce the unity of the workers who strongly condemn any attempts to silence their protests. Uh, faculty have countered that if the administration takes such steps, they may vote no confidence in the school's president and demand a new one, which is uh, something that we saw at Temple where uh-huh. we talked about before. Uh, You know, they kind of cut their losses by just being like, well, you know, no, he, he's gonna just go for now, you know, we'll, we'll deal with it or <laughs> whatever, whatever. Who knows? Uh, if things don't shape up, uh, that is certainly what is going to come to pass.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't understand how Rutgers was even pretending they were going to keep having classes. It's like all your teachers are on strike. Where are you going to get 9,000 teachers? They're just, lying.
2: they're just saying something <laughs> that can get printed in the media so that like parents won't panic because if parents panic and they think that Rutgers intransigence is making it so that classes are not going to start, they're going to suddenly start receiving a lot of very angry phone calls.
0: <laughs> R- right. But like, <laughs> this is such an obviously bullshit response that uh, I guess, ultimately, it's a calculation to really buy them time, Mm -hmm. although I can't imagine that much because if, you know, I'm a parent of a Rutgers student and I see the whole faculty's on strike and the university's telling me, oh, don't worry, we're going to have classes. And I think about that for more than five seconds. I'm probably going to like wait. What do you What do you mean? You, no, you're not. <laughs> look, look,
2: Dan. The employer's plan is delay, delay, delay. And I don't understand which part of this you're not getting.
1: <laughs> well, That's and true. I guess one of those is attack as well by with the you know threat to try to get the injunction. Mm-hmm. But uh, to move to our next story in the kind of thought of attacks on workers, we're going to talk a little bit about the hellhole that is Florida. As they move to destroy public unions, uh, and while we've seen attacks on public workers all over the country, even in like progressive states, so-called progressive states like Massachusetts, uh, Florida's fascist government under Meatball Ron DeSantis, which I <laughs> actually right. I looked this up, and uh, apparently Meatball is a anti-Italian slur. Uh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, that's just I'm what, keep what the call him Meatball Sunday. Ron because it's funny.
2: Meatball Ron, I call him Shit DePantis, but I think it's important <laughs> that we all have our own.
1: <laughs> hey, I like that one. Well, he put out a new bill this week that uh, aimed at taking uh repression in the public workers to a brand new level. As Dave Jamison reported in the Huffington Post this week, Florida Republicans have taken up a bill aimed at making it so much harder for public or for uh, for public unions to continue to operate, uh basically making it so that they're banned for all intents and purposes without really using explicit legal language that bans unions. And the way that they're gonna go about doing this is by uh banning towns and cities from automatically taking dues out of workers' paychecks, making dues collections much more difficult at and an expense for public unions to even collect in the first place. It also seeks it to, seeks to make it much easier to decertify public unions and therefore make it harder for union organizers to do anything besides just try to maintain the unions that exist currently. Uh, similar moves to ban dues checkoffs under the guise of, quote, paycheck protection had have also successfully passed in Wisconsin, Indiana, Alabama, and Michigan in the past, but one of the things that makes this bill different is the way that it represents the end of dues checkoff and the 2018 Janice v. Asmi decision, uh, which we've talked about on the show before, which is a Supreme Court case to basically make it so that public sector unions are all right to work throughout the entire country Mm -hmm. uh the second uh major provision of this bill would initiate decertification processings for any union that falls below 60 percent of its members paying dues so for one they're making it much more difficult to actually collect the dues to make sure that there's the easy dues uh check off and if the unions don't constantly rally all of their members they will just automatically be subject to decertification uh i mean this also comes with the onus on these public sector unions to conduct their own annual audits for the sole purpose of of eating up this scarce time and like it's just it's absolutely appalling.
2: And, and, and especially with the annual audit, mm-hmm. it really highlights that all of these demands from public unions, they would never, ever make from employers. Like, imagine no. asking Amazon to conduct an annual audit. <laughs> they would say, fuck you. We're buying all of your Congress people.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, because it's, it's a combination of several bills that individually on their own, are still bad, but are not obvious, I think, to to the average reader, that the purpose is to destroy public unions. Because basically, that like, obviously what they would prefer to do is just write a bill that says the only union that is allowed to exist is the cop union and and the prison guard union, which is another cop union. So, like, every other union is banned. Like, that's obviously what they want to write. They can't write that. And so instead... Oh, they can't write that yet. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Given the the pace at which the the, the fascism is increasing in a lot of this country, um, but so since they can't outright ban every union, and since the NLRA has federal jurisdiction over private sector employers, the most they can do is go after public sector unions and basically make it such a pain in the ass to continue to exist that you, unions will either fold because of all these new onerous requirements or they will have no time to do anything other than constantly mobilize their own membership to continue paying dues and keep that payment rate above sixty percent while wasting their staff's time doing these pointless audits like so because again a lot of this is tied in with the you know goal of destroying teachers' unions very specifically in as part of the broader project of decimating and then ultimately eliminating public education in the u s. Uh, and again, this this builds off of the Janus decision, which was kind of supposed to do this. Like, that was intended to destroy public unions. And uh, unfortunately for the people behind it, they were surprised that, hey, wait, most of these people in public unions, even when they were told they didn't have to pay dues, uh, still paid dues anyway <laughs> because they saw major material gains from being part of their union. So they're like, well, all right, fine. <laughs> we'll make it even harder. <laughs>
2: Well, it it, turns, it, turns out workers aren't clueless about the institutions <laughs> they operate.
0: <laughs> right. And so now with these bills that they're advancing, it basically forces the unions to re-recruit their existing members every single year or be decertified. Which is such a waste of time. And as you said, John, they would never put this requirement on. Like, if you imagine just making every auto body shop has to do an annual audit, they have to get like a, a, a signed form from every employee that they're happy with the work there and they like their boss and to do all of this other bullshit. No, no, no business would accept that. That would be
2: totalitarianism.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. But because it's applied against a workers organization, well, of course it's, you know, it's paycheck protection as they're calling it. Look, this is
2: just good, reasonable curbs on worker power. <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, wow. right uh, that really is what it is. That I mean, really. And, and, you know, we got a surprisingly direct statement from the Florida AFL CIO director, uh, policy director, Rich Templin, who, who spoke with reporters saying, uh, I think specifically with the Huffington post for this story, uh, quote, the goal of this bill is to Eliminate collective bargaining for public sector workers who the governor doesn't like. Nobody that's directly involved has asked for this. End quote. And the the reason they specifically point out public sector worker the governor doesn't like is that there's a giant exception in this bill, specifically for police, correctional officers. And firefighters, although it's funny to me that firefighters always get lumped in here because they Mm -hmm. actually are workers and they actually do something important, whereas those other two groups do not. So I almost feel like it's like those two very hated groups trying to like, get some of the shine from from the firefighters who actually do things that help people
2: yeah it's just city administrators who are like well nobody can objectively include the firefighters because they actually save people's lives pretty regularly
0: right it's Um, killing them like the other groups of people yeah and also
2: Um, i mean like the the weird amount of faith that they place in police unions is so crazy because like that Lady who administrates a police union in San Jose just got busted <laughs> importing tons of fentanyl using the fucking stickers, the, the shipping labels, from her own police union and yeah. getting stuff mailed directly to her house.
0: Yeah. Brain yeah, genius. stuff happens all over the country. It's mm-hmm. wild. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, we've got Republicans talking about attacking Mexico for the drug problem. It's like, guys, the, the, the call is coming from inside the house. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyways, you know, uh, as you know, the, the policy director of the Florida AFL CIO said, the point of this bill is to eliminate the actual public sector unions, except for the firefighters. Like it's... Teachers, school staff, librarians, bus drivers, sanitation workers. Those are the folks that are going to be hurt by this bill, who are going to be left scrambling to save their unions and whatever collective gains they've made up till now with no time or resources to to fight for better gains in the future. Meanwhile, the shock troops of reaction continue to rake in overtime because their unions are going to be completely unaffected by this. So, yeah, I mean, it's... This sucks <laughs> yeah a uh, and lot. it and it's but it's it's along with every other attack that DeSantis and the florida g o p has had against public education, specifically in teachers aimed at destroying public education first in Florida but then across the rest of the country, although I guess really first in new orleans if you want if you really want to look at um the future that they want for education, look at New Orleans, which has no public schools anymore, post-Katrina. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the model they want. Uh, fully privatized, completely out of the control of, of the, the democratic public, and, and with teachers with no union protections. Right. Uh, so that's what they want, but it also emphasizes how important it is that we support our teachers' unions, because these attacks are coming all over the country, and of course the Democrats are just going out there and saying, hey, remember to vote. Yeah, sure, they're uh, ejecting our representatives who have been voted for out-of-state legislators, but but remember, remember to vote, because that's going to solve this. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I mean, they're just on top of that, I mean, we can't I don't want to leave out that uh, Joe Biden basically gave a thumbs up to all of the attacks on trans people. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. if we're talking about the Democrats saving anyone, they're not going to do a fucking thing. Uh, Fuck the Democrats. Uh, Fuck Ron DeSantis.
0: Uh, Fuck all of them. But I do think that we are not going to see the AFT and the NEA take this bullshit lying down. Mm -hmm. So, you know... While we can't expect anything from the Democrats, we do need to you know, throw our maximum support behind our teachers unions, not just in Florida, but really all over the country because there's attacks coming everywhere. But, yeah. Well, yeah, and especially, also, especially if you're in Florida, shout out in solidarity because that is a tough place to organize right now.
2: And, and also just from a personal place of self-care, I really encourage you to make the switch from bourgeois politics to labor politics. It fixed a lot of parts of my brain.
1: <laughs> you know yeah, honestly absolutely. that's that's really true like when you can really say with confidence i stand with the workers when you know that like that is the position it really clarifies a lot of things
2: and also getting to read a story where a good thing happens once in a while is really nice and right? you don't yeah. get that with the bourgeois electoral system
0: <laughs> that's and, very true and speaking Of stories that are good for once, excellent segue, John. Thank you. (laughs) We had this week, you know, we today we have one giant uh, unit of, of academic workers hitting the picket lines, and last week we had another giant lopsided academic union victory where uh, on Tuesday, April 4th, Syracuse workers joined the ongoing surge in grad worker organizing when their student worker union voted 728 to 36, 95% in favor of joining the Syracuse Graduate Employees United, SGEU, as their official union. And so their new bargaining unit covers over 1,100 graduate student workers at Syracuse University and is affiliated with the SEIU as part of Local 200 United. So love to see these lopsided labor victories in academia.
2: Absolutely. Well, and this has been a long time coming because they have tried on and off to unionize the graduate student workers at Syracuse for literal decades, but they gained a lot of steam in the recent years as conditions for the students drastically worsened. Wow. Shocker. People respond to their conditions. SEIU Local 200 United, which represents these workers in New York, Vermont, and Pennsylvania, has been working with the graduate student workers since 2016 to help build their unions. This is a seven-year effort. Uh, Students say that they chose to fight for a union due too struggling to pay rent, constantly having to work more than the far more than the 20 hours a week that they are hired for, insufficient training and inadequate health care. The union called out the fact that a living wage in Syracuse is $32,000, but grad students who work full-time currently make $10,000 less than that. The current rate of 22,000 was only reached this January when it was raised from the previous paltry rate of only 17 Clearly under pressure from the union drive. Again, even when you don't have your whole union drive together, even if you haven't voted, whatever, you can still make gains right away Mm -hmm. just by putting that pressure on.
1: Absolutely. And, I mean, we have a quote here from Amanda Bevan, a master's student uh, who told Syracuse.com, that uh, for many grad student workers, quote, it becomes really hard to balance our coursework, our teacher responsibilities, and our own research and just living a life. It really burns you out very quickly, end quote. Which is not surprising. I mean, the amount that, the if you're told that you're only supposed to work 20 hours and you end up working way more than that, like, wh- where is your time budget? Like...
0: Yeah. So many of the workers that they talked to in the articles I read about this talked about, yeah, so theoretically we work 20 hours a week, but really most of us work like 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And so that's in addition to a course load (laughs) and potentially considering how low this actually not potentially, I would say probably for most of the at least the domestic grad students there. That's probably also in addition to a second job because they're only paying $22,000, which is not enough to live anywhere. So, uh, I mean, I know Syracuse is not necessarily New York City, and so it does not they're not charging you $4,000 a month for rent, but they're charging you a hell of a lot more than you uh, can pay on making only $22,000 a year. So, uh, meanwhile, you know, while... The the grad students are organizing and and, and winning. The uh, university administration says that they will reach out to the new union to set up bargaining sessions. Uh, School's acting very friendly now that the vote is over. However, it does come after months of calls by workers for the school to voluntarily recognize the union instead of demanding a vote, especially in light of the clear supermajority of support that they had. And the school just dragged its feet. It was like, well, you know, we should go through the democratic process. And it's like, well, okay. But also, like, the students made it pretty obviously clear that they wanted a union. Yeah, could have just acknowledged it.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's so crazy to me that, like, all of these delay tactics don't constitute a a rejection of good faith, you Mm -hmm. know? That's never been legally demonstrated and have a precedent. I don't know how this stuff actually works. But well, like it's it, it just, it just the law is fake. But it just seems to me like they just spun a big wheel and all three sections of the wheel just said kick the can down the road. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, speaking of, you mentioned earlier that there was that this particular effort was start started back in twenty sixteen, but we have a quote here from City Novak, a chemistry PhD student who told Syracuse.com as well. Quote, the decision to unionize is a historic thing. It goes back to grad students trying to unionize on this campus since the 1970s. But for this campaign, it has been a culmination of grad students across campus facing issues, trying to pay rent, make decisions between going to the doctor or putting groceries on the table, end quote. And that's just decisions that no one should have to make, especially like people working in these obviously doing plenty well public institutions
0: Mm -hmm. well and and that's just one of those things like whenever you see those idiotic memes or just arguments on twitter where people are just like here's my chart of exactly who's in the working class and who is not and grad students are actually pmc or whatever buzzword (laughs) they're using nowadays it's like Okay, well, let's see. What are the demands of the actual petit bourgeois? Here we go. I'll look at what are the demands of cop unions, and it's like, you know, six figure salaries, complete legal protection from murdering people, <laughs> like that. Like if 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 a po- elected official ever says anything that could be construed as mean, they have to personally apologize to the cop. Like that. That's the sort of stuff you get from petty bourgeois, quote unquote, workers. These folks are like, hey, uh, we should be able to afford to eat and pay rent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which I'm like, yeah, again, the grad students are workers. It's yeah, pretty that's fucking like, simple.
1: That's also <laughs> just to, like, if you really tried to make that argument, you'd also have to make the argument that teachers aren't workers in general, because right. these people are teachers.
0: But, and the thing is, it's like, no one, you never see these people say that because they know that they would be, like, obliterated in argument, but they really want to say that. Because, again, all those arguments just wind right back into the same reactionary propaganda nexus that we're all, like, caught in every day because of all of the, you know, anti-worker, anti-union, far right-wing talking points that we hear from the gigantic ideological state apparatus in this country. And those same arguments that are presented as being from the left so that we can have this pure proletarian vision of who is working class are just ultimately serving those same interests.
2: I mean, yeah. Well, and it's also, it's just in the air. It's in the cultural ideology in the United States. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought a union was just a bunch of shirtless dudes working in heavy industry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's the picture from the cover of state and revolution,
2: (laughs) which is a banger picture, but yeah, just one type of worker.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, so now that the workers have won their union, they're going to move forward democratically electing their bargaining committee and prepping their strategy to win a first contract that addresses their key demands. Because obviously that's been a big hurdle for so many workers. But they've already talked about planning out how they're going to put together their key contract demands by using surveys as well as public town halls to gather as much information as possible from all of the members of the union against like 1,100 people. So that's a lot of folks to talk to. Uh, oh, and yeah. And one thing that's also very cool as a good addenda to this already good news story, they may very soon be joined by more academic workers in the union movement from just across town because just a few days before this successful union election at Syracuse, research assistants in Syracuse at the nearby SUNY College of Environmental Sciences and Forestry announced they are having a union drive to join the CWA. So... Really love to see that this this worker energy in academia shows absolutely no sign of slowing down.
1: Absolutely. Well, and then in no sign of slowing down, we can talk about a union that we had briefly covered that had newly been created. Uh, Was it just like middle of last year, I believe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They were
0: formed last year.
1: So, uh, I mean, like one of the great weaknesses of the labor movement throughout the entire history of it has been like the inability to unionize the South. Many organizing drives and major unions have been too timid to really confront the institutional racism in the region head on and have failed to stop any attempts by the bosses to put workers against each other, which is exactly why, you know, we have been excited to follow the birth of this new union. The uh, Union of Southern Service Workers, uh, the USSW is backed by the SEIU and is a new evolution for, of the Fight for 15 campaign with a specific emphasis on building solidarity across the fragmented service sector, with disproportionately or which disproportionately employs black and brown workers. This past week, the young organization held a major one-day walkout in states across the region- to protest the intentional underfunding of state-based OSHAs preventing safety regulations at majority black job sites.
0: Yeah, so specifically what these workers have been protesting, and it's really great to see attention being brought to this, is the, it's all, come. this is largely based on a report that recently was issued by the Strategic Organizing Center. And they had been looking at working conditions for Uh, you know, the worst, a lot of the worst paid workers, specifically in the South. And they had talked to largely black service workers all over the region and found that a wild 87% reported being injured while on the job. Now, that would be a bad stat if it was just period. Like, basically every service worker gets injured on the job is a stark stat already. But that's 87% reported being injured in the last year year so that really tells you something about the working conditions that these workers are facing Uh, and the most common injuries are some of them are what you'd expect you know lifting heavy objects and strain from that having objects fall on workers obviously that's extremely common in warehouses or just dollar general um heat related injuries due to lack of ac which we've reported on that so many times on the show and being cut by sharp tools and in addition to the near universal experience of being injured on the job seemingly every single year for these workers, uh, over 40% of them reported facing harassment or violence on the job in the last year alone as well. I, I remember seeing, watching one of the videos on Twitter that these workers had been putting out where one of the guys who was speaking talked about how he was at work and his boss put him in a headlock during an argument. Like, yeah, what, I read what that the fuck? It.
1: Like, I, yeah, I don't, uh, no words. Uh, Absolutely ridiculous.
0: Yeah, so in response to this report, the USSW filed a civil rights complaint against the South Carolina Occupational Safety and Health Administration, the state's version of OSHA, saying that it, quote, discriminates by disproportionately excluding black workers from the protection of its programmed inspections, thereby exposing black workers to an unacceptable and inequitable risk of injuries and illness, end quote. And, you know, those numbers would be bad enough because it's like, look, you have a state agency that theoretically is supposed to protect worker safety and every black service worker is getting injured on the job more or less and almost half of them are facing harassment and violence so clearly the ostensible purpose of the state osha is not its real purpose because it's never actually achieved what it says it's trying to to do meanwhile what it's actually achieving And what its actual purpose is, is providing cover for businesses by making a claim that there is safety protection that does not exist. I mean, you know, going back to that favorite heuristic that we love to throw out on here from Stafford Beer, the purpose of a system is what it does.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So when you see a system like OSHA that just runs cover, you have to start to think, well, if that's what it's doing, Maybe that's what it is. And that is substantiated by workers who were interviewed in the survey, indicating that despite the rampant injuries and abuse that they face, most of workers did not report their incidents due to fear of retaliation, which is an issue OSHA is theoretically supposed (laughs) to be solving by performing regular inspections like the tooth fairy. So workers (laughs) don't have the burden of enforcing safety regulations themselves. But, however, as we've said many times on the show, That's not what they do. So the complaint issued by the USSW states, quote, from 2018 to 2022, South Carolina OSHA conducted no programmed inspections in the food and beverage and general merchandise industries and only one such inspection in the food services and warehousing industries. I wish I could do that little work and get away with it. Uh.
0: (laughs) Right? I mean, think about it. Like, the food service industry generally... Over the course of five years, they did one inspection at any business across the entire state of South Carolina. It's bizarre. Like I, there you, must
1: only be one, I guess. One yeah, I guess. food service for all of South Carolina.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, it's, in it's, Wyoming. It's one of those perpetual stews in 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 uh, <laughs> it's just in, thing. in Columbia, like South Carolina. It's just it, it's a big pot in the middle. That's all the food service. No, I mean, it is it is a clear pattern that there is no intention by the agency to inspect those industries. And it's not that they're not doing any inspections. Of course, the, the agency is underfunded and doesn't do as many inspections as it should. That's a given. This is the United States and we're talking about OSHA. But the thing is, it's not that they did no inspections anywhere. It's that specifically they did no inspections in industries that predominantly or disproportionately employ Black and Latino workers. Because again, it's specifically these industries like food service that we're looking at because in South Carolina, about 27% of the population is Black, but the employment in the service sector averages over 40% Black. And then we see that that's the sector that sees no inspections by OSHA. Meanwhile... There are inspections being carried out in the construction and contracting industries, which are smaller and much wider percentage of the state's workforce than the service industry, which got zero inspections. So it's pretty clear what is going on here. <laughs> like, uh, the, the report specific from the strategic organizing center specifically calls out businesses like Wendy's Popeye's and dollar general, which of course we all know have plenty of dangerous working conditions, especially dollar general. Uh, and, and yet the agency completely refuses to investigate. So there is an obvious intentional policy choice being made here. And that's what the USSW is fighting with this civil uh, rights complaint. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm one worker involved in the complaint, Marin Richardson, a forklift operator for Ryder Corporation in Columbia, South Carolina, described the lack of safety in his workplace, saying, Quote, I have seen workers get hurt because Ryder Corporation doesn't fix safety hazards or give us proper training. Last year I heard somebody crying for help and found one of my coworkers crushed under a forklift, screaming in pain. She couldn't feel her legs. I had to tell her that both of her legs were indeed broken. After that, Ryder never added any proper safety training. And since then, two more workers have also broken their legs at, the, at our warehouse. More workers are going to be hurt if we don't get some help from OSHA to fix this problem. Exclamation point. End quote.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this is obviously terrible, but it illustrates precisely how OSHA operates. Because if you told that story... That he just said to somebody I, on the street, I think most people would say, I'm very surprised, I mean, something like this, but I'm really surprised that happened and there was no consequences. Isn't that what OSHA is supposed to be for? And that's the purpose because it's, it, it puts you into this sense of, yes, there is a structure for maintaining workplace safety. I may not know the details about it, but I know there's an agency for that. And so there must be a, you know, proper channels to go through. If there's a problem at work, the state, there is a way to take care of it. And just by creating that, you lo- you get people to not struggle for an actual agency that would, actually hold businesses accountable it's a wonderful arrangement for the ruling class kind of a
2: business union situation
1: (laughs) well also i think that it's really important to point out that the nlra does protect workers who are Mm -hmm. protesting against unsafe work conditions so even if you don't have a union if you see stuff like this going on in your workplace that should be an immediate call to walk out To get your fellow workers and walk out, because it is not going to be addressed. This is showing that it will not be addressed. I mean, sure, they did say that uh, in some workplaces there are some inspections going on, but you can never wait for any of these insufficient organizations to take action. You have to take action yourself. But to draw attention to this egregious policy of inter- of intentional neglect and demonstrate that workers are done accept- accepting the status quo, workers in Atlanta, Georgia, Durham, North Carolina, and Columbia, S- South Carolina, affiliated with the USSW, launched a one-day strike on Tuesday, April 4th. This day was the anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. When he was in Memphis, Tennessee, to support this- a strike by majority black sanitation workers, hundreds of workers marched rallied and protested the policy of refusing to use South Carolina OSHA's regulatory power to protect black workers. In the complaint filed by the USSW, the workers called on the Labor Department to either force South Carolina's OSHA to perform its supposed job and inspect service industries as well, or have the agency taken over by the federal agency. Which, I mean... I I mean federal OSHA, you know, whatever. It's still better than nothing, but it's still good to like try to really like put the feet to the fire on on this issue because people are getting severely hurt. Like it is not acceptable that this is happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And sh- shout outs to these workers for standing up for themselves.
0: For sure, we're gonna be you know following the USSW closely. I think it's a really encouraging development. Um, and now shifting. Oh, and b-
2: before we leave the USSW, great acronym. <laughs> really close to another great acronym.
0: <laughs> yeah, when Google Drive tells me that I should be auto correcting your Union uh, abbreviation to USSR, I'm a fan.
2: You're doing something <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: But so now we're going to cover a story that probably wouldn't make it on the show if it wasn't local to me, but I care about it. Uh, So I put it on here. So uh, well before dawn last Monday on April 3rd, I believe they started at 3.30 a.m., about 60 workers, primarily custodial staff and groundskeeper, launched a open-ended strike right here in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, where I am, at the Rhode Island School of Design, which is a really, really rich art school. (laughs) Uh, And so this strike comes after months of negotiation as well as a one-day strike a week earlier to warn about the potential for a long-term strike. And now these workers, they're, again, largely sanitation workers, groundskeepers. They're represented by Teamsters Local 251, which is the same local that struck DHL here in, in, in the region around near me, for six months last year, and also the same local that won the best school bus driver contract in the region with a strike threat earlier this year. So, shout outs Teamsters Local 251 doing good work. Uh, so the these workers, these staff at RISD, which is the uh normal abbreviation for the Rhode Island School of Design, they unionized with the Teamsters last year and they've been working on negotiating their first contract ever since, however. The incredibly wealthy school has delayed and delayed and delayed and just refused to accept that maybe they should pay the workers that keep their school clean and operating a uh, living wage. <laughs> And so due to their refusal, these workers have walked out on the picket line and included in that welcoming the <laughs> school's president by parking an inflatable uh, corporate pig in front of their school president's office to emphasize the greed of the institution that refuses to pay these workers a living wage. Uh, and, and just for some background specifically on RISD, RISD is one of the top Art and design schools in the country. Uh, it's it's whenever they put out those like rankings, I think it's top five. It's uh, definitely top ten. Uh, it is extremely expensive. Uh, when I tried to look up the cost to go there, I found a few different numbers. Uh, the one that I found repeated the most was seventy seven thousand dollars a year. Holy uh, shit! For tuition, room and board, and fees. I think like fourteen thousand of that is fees. <laughs> Which, I love okay. cell phone contracts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the school also has an endowment of over $300 million. And yet, despite that, they're refusing to pay the workers $20 an hour, which, like, <sighs> is that wage results in a yearly annual income that is just over half the amount they charge each student to attend the school. It's
2: like that that post that goes around where the guys like I have to work for what is it 8 hours to afford three yeah. of these. I make 3000 an hour. Yeah. <laughs> 3000 yeah. of them. Yeah.
0: Exactly. They've just th- th- there's been almost a year of bargaining. They've just dug in their heels and refused to accept that these workers deserve a living wage. All while massively surveilling these workers because that's another big thing that they've been objecting to is that there's so much surveillance while they're at work. They've been told they can't even stop for a sec to have a drink of water that they have to wait for their break to do that. Which, I mean, like, that's, that's... I don't even know how that's legal.
2: <laughs> it, it's crazy that it's such a widespread practice and I think it's like, it's part of them, like employers just cribbing notes from Amazon's book, but it's also mm-hmm. partly that in the wake of pandemic labor relations employers are really really gun shy about losing any kind of control over their employees and so they're really stepping up the surveillance which to me is insane because like i mean yes it's i guess it's a good way to keep your employees in line but heightened surveillance only diminishes productive capacity you're you're spending tons and tons of resources on shit that doesn't matter (laughs)
0: Yeah, because if you're spending all your time looking over your shoulder to see if your boss is following you around, you're not going to do very good work, understandably. And also,
2: like, a lot of workers know how to do things the best way and aren't able to do things the best way mm -hmm. when their boss is looking at them because the best way isn't the quote-unquote correct way.
0: Exactly. So RISD offered the workers a best and final offer back in February, which did not address the concerns over compensation. They refused to accept what the workers want, which is a starting wage of $20 an hour, instead wanting to leave them at their current capped rate of about $15 an hour. Uh, Meanwhile, this is vital because the average rent here in Providence is like $1,500 a month, which means that if you're getting paid $15 an hour, then you are spending over half of your income on just rent. So uh, this is not like a, a nice to have thing that these workers are fighting for it is really important and then there was a uh, there was an interview with a local progressive news source here, Uprise RI, who talked to one of the workers on the picket line at the previous strike last uh, like a week earlier at the little warning strike beforehand this, uh, this worker Gina Santos, who's worked for RISD for over a decade said quote it 's not enough money to live and pay the bills that 's why we 're here for better wages. I love my job.' I live by myself and I have to pay my mortgage, my bills, my insurance. The school does not want to give us enough to live, end quote. And when she was asked what she thought about the school's supposed best and final offer, she said, that's nothing. That's disgusting. Which, yeah, absolutely. She is 100% right. There are workers at RISD who have been there for over 20 years and their wages have stalled out at $18 an hour which is, again, at a school that charges $77,000 a year to attend.
2: I I mean, that's crazy. And to say something like, that's nothing, that's disgusting, and absolutely not mince words, it's so interesting, because from the start of this show, we would hear from workers, and I feel like we used to hear a lot more of, like... Uh, I understand where the boss is coming from. I understand the situation, but we need this, but we need that. And then like a few years down the road, every worker that gets interviewed is just like, fuck them. They have money. They have to give <laughs> <Yeah>. us some.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And and now the <laughs> RISD is trying the, the same tactic that was used at Case New Holland uh, by claiming that the union is lying to the workers about what's in their best and final offer, they're like, "Well, if the union would just tell the truth about our offer, the workers would demand to vote on it." <laughs> Despite the fact that what is in their offer is an uh, is is to raise the minimum starting wage from fifteen dollars an hour to a whopping sixteen fifty.
1: Yeah, uh, they wanna they wanna characterize it as a ten percent raise, as right. you know, as though like. Percentages matter when there has been huge stagnation and an underpayment of these workers. You know, you got right. you have to address the root causes first.
0: Right, they're basically playing off the fact that inflation has been so rampant that a lot of us are still kind of in the same mindset of this is what things cost, except it's like from three years ago and things are a lot more expensive now. So they're like really depending on people to be like, oh, a ten percent raise, oh, that's so much. And they've added like insult to injury in the way that they have responded where they said, quote, The union has continued to demand benefit and wage increases that go well beyond what RISD considers fiscally responsible and deviates from RISD's overall compensation philosophy, which seeks to maintain equity across the college, end quote. Which like, I don't know what the fuck that means, <laughs> like oh they they want us to pay them a living wage. Well, that wouldn't be equal to the other workers we're not paying a living wage. Like I don't know what they're even trying to say with that. It makes no sense.
2: I'll tell you something that's not fucking responsible. Having everybody that works for you living in an utterly precarious situation because you exactly. won't pay them a fucking living wage.
0: That's yeah,
1: irresponsible. I mean, if this is- if this is equity, then there are some much larger problems throughout this this organization because, like, if this is the way that these workers are treated and it's the same across the board, like, it's fucked up.
0: Yeah, it, like, also, this is the same time that they are paying their the school's president $600,000 a year. <laughs> But that's fi- but remember that's fiscally responsible. Of Twenty dollars an hour, forty thousand dollars a year for people who actually do work. No, that's not fiscally responsible. So oh, this is all bullshit. And the workers recognize that, and that's why they've gone out on strike. And so one thing that has been really great to see has been the community support for these workers. There's been a ton of support from RISD students, joining them out on the picket line, which has been wonderful to see. Pretty much all of the left-wing organizations here in Providence have been out there supporting. Uh, you know, PSL has been out there on the line. DSA has been out there, some other folks. Um, so that's been really great to see people clearly support These workers, which is not really that hard to do when everybody sees the amount of wealth RISD has. RISD's campus is in downtown Providence, so everybody sees it all the time, and there's a lot of money there. (laughs) So it's not hard for people to figure out which the good side of the strike is. Uh, although uh, cheat code for that one, it's the workers. Pretty one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a real easy one. But um, but yeah. So the community is behind the worker, the the students are behind the workers. The le- the left, such as it is here in Providence, is behind the workers. So, you know, we're really pulling for these folks. The Rizzy has the money, <laughs> and these workers are just asking for the bare minimum. So, it, it really the school just needs to cave and just just pay the goddamn workers. and But, you know, they've they've said that they are not going to just take some bullshit offer, that they want a living wage, and they are going to fight for it. And so John Cabral, who's a RISD groundskeeper, told a student reporter for the Brown Daily Herald at the strike, quote, hopefully it won't go on for long, but it'll go on as long as it takes, end quote. Hell yeah. Yeah. So all solidarity with the RISD workers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Although one thing that I what decided to i was a little quiet throughout this story because i was looking something up uh they had the inflatable fat cat and i realized uh what is the name of this cat uh there (laughs) is not an official name for the inflatable cat or the inflatable pig uh because in night in january of 1990 scabby got their name after they surveyed a bunch of like union folks (laughs) And so we need to get some unions together to name these inflatable cats and pigs. Just a little call out to all you union folks. Oh fuck, I love That's a
2: right. naming contest. That's how we got Bodie McBoatface.
1: <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
1: But, you know, in a not so lighthearted uh, you know, update, I guess, on something that we have covered before, we're going to go to planned parenthood uh and we had covered this back in like like last July on episode 113, but uh, we've covered a ton of different quote-unquote progressive NGOs, and many of these institutions, you know, can do important work, especially like Planned Parenthood, but when it comes to the rights of their workers, they can be just as much disconnected from those sorts of things as any other business. Uh, case in point, as Planned Parenthood, uh, the organization does absolutely vital work for all over the country, helping millions access re- reproductive health care and many other different services, uh, they have also repeatedly fought against their own workers that have tried to organize for better conditions. Uh, this past week has been yet another escalation from pa- Planned Parenthood in their attacks against the workers who are trying to uh, collectively bargain. As we discussed, like I mentioned back on 113, we discussed the successful drive of the workers at several clinics across multiple states in the Midwest to unionize under SEIU. Uh, 400 nurses, clinicians, and other workers at the clinics in Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, and the Dakotas voted overwhelmingly to join the union. Planned Parenthood made their opposition to the union drive very clear and attempted to crush it, but that was unsuccessful because, you know, these are workers who care very much so about the patients and their working conditions. Uh, But now, months later, they are trying to stamp out the union. In uh, the final days of March, the organization suddenly fired two members of the union bargaining team and issued, quote, final warnings to the other 11 members of the bargaining team. Uh, the repression against the workers stems from the claims by Planned Parenthood that members of the bargaining team shared confidential information about firings of another employee and efforts by Planned Parenthood to illegally stop workers from wearing union-branded apparel with the unions group chat
0: yeah this this story was really confusing for me to figure out when I was reading about it largely because of the fact that it's based on Planned Parenthood doing a lot of very illegal surveillance uh, and also due to an interpersonal conflict so to try and summarize this basically what it seems to have happened is that there was an incident on the bargaining committee where one of the members actually physically assaulted another member after a long period of argument. And that person who assaulted the other member was asked and then made to step down from the bargaining committee because they're like, well, you physically assaulted another person. We can't really, that's not really acceptable (laughs) conduct in the middle of union negotiations. And then right after that happened, somehow... Planned Parenthood acquired a copy of the signal chat that the bargaining team had been using to communicate internally. So what appears to clearly have happened is this worker who had, uh, you know, gotten into an argument and, attacked and physically slapped somebody on the bargaining team was had, you know, was still very mad about it and leaked that information to Planned Parenthood. And in those chats, there had been discussion of a worker who had... Another, a completely different worker who had been terminated by Planned Parenthood and also had discussions on ways to deal with Planned Parenthood trying to stop workers from wearing union apparel. And that whole mess is what led to Planned Parenthood then firing two workers for claims of breach of confidentiality They're essentially saying that the workers leaked confidential information about the other worker who had been fired during their discussions in outside-of-work signal chats. But they are basing this assertion of breach of confidentiality off of obtaining outside communications they had no right to access. So the whole thing is spurious to begin with. Like, I look, I'm not a lawyer, but I would just be like, I'm pretty sure that's inadmissible in a court. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if a company uh, gets any sort of notion, they are supposed to be like, I cannot look at this.
2: Yeah, well, it's like if I broke in... To the pentagon and found incriminating Information this news story Wouldn't be pentagon destroyed By lone brave man It would be crazy man locked up Trying to break into pentagon
0: (laughs) Yeah like I wish that you know The pentagon papers had brought down The pentagon but Mm -hmm. they didn't Uh, Because For various reasons but not going off And if only the
2: panama papers had brought down panama (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, man, we're going back. We're going back to the the like, the the like early days of U.S. colonialism when we just created a country out of whole cloth in order to build a canal.
2: Bam, you're Belgium. Oh, wait, that's the U.K. Bam, you're Panama. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, and this was all laid out by a, a, some really good reporting by the Minnesota reformer. I just want to hat tip to them. They did a really good job of looking into this. And... Yeah. That's one of the things that's so wild about these firings is that Planned Parenthood, in their justification for firing these members of the bargaining team and then giving all the rest of the bargaining team a final written warning, it's all based on quoted messages from a private chat that they don't have access to. So it is continually, because like, look, the cops get illegal information about you all the time. And then they just have to be creative about how they use it. They can't use it in court, but they can use it to get other information legally that they can then use in court. They use workarounds. I know this isn't necessarily in a court, but this is basically like the NSA being like, yeah, so we used our illegal wiretaps, and that's how we got all this information. Then just saying that in open court. It's like, no, you're supposed to hide it behind something. But Plan Baron is just like, yeah, so we stole your private chats, and when we snooped through them, we found stuff we didn't like, so we're firing you. (laughs) It's like, uh, okay, I think that raises a lot more problems. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, And and especially because one of the things they were discussing was the plans by Planned Parenthood to try and stop workers from wearing pro-union t-shirts, which is illegal. Yeah,
2: it's literally conspiracy to break the law.
0: (laughs) Right. Like, we have talked so many times, the button clause in the NLRA is very clear. (laughs)
2: it's one of the best you written pieces a- of legislation <laughs> just that yeah, clause. it's, it,
0: it, it's <laughs> like every other part of the nlra is going to get stripped away by the democrats in concessions for things that won't they won't ever actually get but the button clause will still be there <laughs>
2: <laughs> reminds yeah, me of that, the- <laughs> it reminds me of that far side comic strip where the guy's like Uh, pushing a wheelbarrow full of coal in hell and he's like whistling and the demons are like, we're just not getting through to that guy. (laughs) That's me with my button claws, buttons, head to toe, covering my body while I have no other rights at work.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I do think that, like, one of the things that really pisses me off so much about this is that, for one, union busting in its own right is, you know, an an attack on workers' rights and things like reproductive care. But in the fact that Planned Parenthood does all of this really vital work, they are just digging their own grave in a certain sense. If they're going to start breaking the law, there's no reason that conservatives won't opportunistically use this to cause even more problems for the healthcare environment of people people in need of this care.
0: Right. It's really awful because you. I, I really feel like they're, the Planned Parenthood's management is cynically leaning on the idea that Democrats won't be so willing to call them out. And in a lot of cases, they may be right, at least in the case of democratic politicians, but like you still are attacking these workers and they're not just going to fucking roll over for it. Like mm-hmm. it, it's bullshit, and and on top of the two workers who were fired for breach of confidentiality, which is nonsense, there was no patient information leak. there was no patients discussed at all. So the idea that this was some incredibly vital breach of confidentiality is nonsense. The breach of confidentiality was Planned Parenthood stealing or acquiring through surreptitious means <laughs> this private discussion between the members of the bargaining team. That was the breach of confidentiality.
1: Right, and if they're discussing you know, someone being fired, that's discussing work conditions, Yeah, which is protected.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's not just the two firings, but those final written warnings are a big deal because they're permanent, they never expire, they stay in these workers' records forever, and they can serve as a justification for termination for the violation of any even small part of, pro- of Planned Parenthood's uh, organizational policy. So... It also serves the purpose of essentially terrorizing the members of the bargaining committee into not having as aggressive demands out of the worry that, oh, they're going to find some nitpicky policy violation that they can then use to justify firing even more members of the bargaining team.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, when these sorts of things are weaponized against folks in, in other cases, I mean, people could get in a car accident on their way to work and be fired for showing up late. Like right. That's the reality. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's the Starbucks playbook, but mm-hmm. from Planned Parenthood, which is so fr. That's what's so frustrating about this is because Planned Parenthood, the workers at Planned Parenthood, do incredible work and th- and under intense harassment and threats and and just all the bullshit they have to put up with to do absolutely vital work, and then the the fucking administration pulls this shit. And so it's like they're they're getting attacks from the media, from the right wing, from all these just ridiculous conservative groups, and then from their own organization. Mm -hmm. Like these workers, if anything points out why these workers need a union, it is this shit right here. Like all Planned Parenthood, Midwest's, whatever it's called, uh, like uh, all they're doing with these attacks is only further reinforcing exactly what these workers have been saying the entire time, that they need their own organization to be able to protect their rights at work. And clearly they do need that when their boss is stealing their private chats and then using it to fire people. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and I mean, they're rightfully kind of shocked at how intense this retaliation has been considering the quote-unquote progressive nature of Planned Parenthood. We have a quote here from Philip Crayon, vice president of SEIU Healthcare Minnesota and Iowa, told the Minnesota reformer, "quote It has been really concerning to see the way that the organization's leadership has decided to treat the elected members of their bargaining team in ways we've literally not seen any other employer ever do." End quote. I mean, just straight up putting the whole bargaining team under threat. That is pretty unprecedented.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. So it, it is rather transparently an attempt to basically destroy this union before it can get off the ground. Like, the the whole allegation of breach of confidentiality is nonsense. It was a response to planned illegal union busting by Planned Parenthood. It had nothing to do with patient data. That is complete nonsense. And again, the only way they found out about it was through illegal surveillance of workers. Mm -hmm. Like this is Planned Parenthood is in the wrong at every single step of this. And it is so frustrating that these workers have to go through this. And now they have the entire bargaining team basically set to potentially be fired at any moment on a hair trigger because of these final warnings. Uh, It basically trying to cripple the attempts to bargain for a first contract. But thankfully, SEIU healthcare Minnesota and Iowa is not just taking this shit lying down and they have filed ULP charges against Planned Parenthood for illegally surveilling non-work related communications, which seems like a slam dunk when they're quoting those communications in their justification for firing people and the the union is working hard to get those two fired workers their jobs back. So solidarity with these folks who do amazing work, put up with abuse on a good day and now have to deal with this shit that they really shouldn't have to be concerned about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to kind of round out, just before we get to the meme review... We want to extend a unique congratulations to Barnes & Noble workers in New Brunswick, New Jersey, who have just announced their union and filed for an election. It's really exciting to see the retail and service workers' unions expand to a new major
0: chain.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: This rocks, they're uh they're gonna be joining the RWDSU. And what timing? I mean, they announced this last week, and now suddenly uh, Rutgers campuses are all on strike. So <laughs> it's it's big labor energy at Rutgers and not and for you got faculty, you got postdocs, you got grad student workers, it's really kind of are all kind of faculty in a way, but and then also you got the folks at the bookstore that rocks, love to see this. Uh, You know, the retail wave just expanding, you know, from Apple to Trader Joe's to REI and now Barnes & Noble. I love this because, you know, Half Price Books has been unionizing, Mm -hmm. which that rocks because I use them all the time. Uh, But Barnes & Noble, that would be a big step. Like, uh, you know, Borders crashed and burned a long time ago. So so Barnes & Noble is really like the one kind of named bookstore that really exists around the whole country. I mean, they've got uh, like 750 physical stores. Uh, so yeah, if 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 we can te- if they can capture that energy on Rutgers campus that's there right now, build that union and then start to make it grow. I mean, hey, we got another. Potential With hundreds and hundreds of stores out there yeah. So I'm well, uh, really excited about this
2: Let's not forget the Amazon union movement Since Amazon is technically a bookstore
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I Yeah, theoretically In the case that every like yard sale is also a bookstore Well, yes <laughs> yeah. oh, man.
1: Well, uh, I guess while we are laughing Let's keep this energy up And head right That's on right. into the meme review Hell yeah Our first one is a a BCTGM agitprop poster uh, that seems kind of old, uh, but is, as always, uh, union propaganda is uh, very, very uh, applicable to today. I love uh, the art on this. It's very cool. So it's got this kind of like reddish background, and then most of it is like a a, a kind of... what? So there's... Three, co- well, four colors, so there's black, white, and red on this. And uh, the text is... Uh, no, I should describe the photo, right? Because there's a big pie, right? Where there is... It's labeled Union 1 Benefits Pie. And this... Uh, non-union baker who is labeled that way is taking a slice out of it, looking, and it says "helping himself."
0: Looking very sly. The expression they drew on his face is so good. Yeah, like, that's so detailed for a uh, like a an agitational poster, aka the old kind of left wing memes. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and then uh, at the bottom it says, Stop this pilfering. Organize. And I like this one because it's showing that uh, workers have fought and won a lot of these benefits, and though it does help all industries, uh, the best thing to do is to actually get those people into the union because then they're part of the union one benefit pie, you know?
0: Yeah, because it... It is, like, they are putting a little bit of blame on the non-union worker. We're like, hey, you are taking stuff, but you're not, you know, chipping in for it. But it's not like, so go beat the shit out of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, hey, that's why we got to organize everybody. So nobody is, you know, taking a free ride off of everybody's labor. Yeah, right. absolutely.
1: And uh, next one is my favorite (laughs) tweet of the week. So...
0: (laughs) The next one, is very simple. You've probably almost certainly seen this meme before, but not quite in this context. So you've got the classic uh, meme picture of this guy like guy like guy standing in front of a whiteboard and it's just a straight line uh, with the, the it's a very, very scientific graph of an x and y axis where the x-axis is fuck around and the y axis is find out and it shows a one to one it's got a slope of 1 so you know it's it, it's it's going up there at a direct relationship between the two yep. but the reason i like this one and the reason that i posted it in the discord is because it was tweeted out by Sean O'Brien the the president of the teamsters and he just added energizer and yeah, that's the finger it that's pointing at sweet. the photo
1: is so yeah. good you know <laughs> I, I do want to also bring up Sean O'Brien's Twitter handle, which is Teamster SOB. Uh, and I, I just think that that is a very powerful Twitter handle for a union president.
0: It's such it's such a great coincidence for him that those are also his initials. So yeah. he can just be like, what? It's my initials. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> well, let's be real. You don't usually put the O and the B from O'Brien in initials, but
0: we'll let it slide. <laughs> but yeah, they've been going off at Energizer because Energizer's been like, threatening to shut down production in the United States and 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 move it to another country. And so there's been a lot of hey Energizer fuck you, pay your workers yeah. memes coming out of the teamsters lately, including some bi- somewhat bizarre ones on Easter because of the fact that there's the Energizer's logo is a bunny.
1: Yeah, really like the old school Easter bunny costumes that are kind of disturbing, look like they're from a horror movie.
0: They're really creepy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then our next one is one that was done by a you know a regular in the discord, uh, Luplin 94. And uh, this is actually a callback to something I said in an episode a long time ago, which is just me <laughs> paraphrasing something I heard. I don't know, this is a lo- the, lo- long history, uh, oral style meme, but the the meme is the uh, uh, it's a three panel and it's got these kind of like colorful rage ca- comic characters which i'm not really much for rage comics but you know it was made by one of our uh, big supporters so we're going to we're going to profile it here make memes and we'll put it in the meme review maybe uh, <laughs> <laughs> the first panel is the this revolutionary with colored hair he's got an anarchist symbol on his neck and he said Oh, when the rev—oh, and he's talking to this like uh, screaming, bleeding eye MAGA hat wearing uh, rage guy, and he says, "Oh, when the revolution comes, buddy, you're gonna get the wall." And then it goes to the next panel. In fact, you're gonna get four walls and a roof, and third <laughs> panel, and you're gonna be able to feed and clothe yourself and have a family. And it shows the—I <laughs> I do kind of like the last one where it's this kind of clip art family, and the the scr- the screaming MAGA hat wearing person is just sitting at a table. <laughs> <laughs> with the, With his family,
0: I think it is kind of funny, so it has I'm,
2: a real like brack show kind of vibe to it,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually it's a good comparison. I I, mean, I haven't thought about the brack show in forever. I
2: think about the brack show every day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, oh, I, d- I didn't know maybe there if you uh know the origin or the original like source of this meme, like the the text of this meme, please let me know. I am I spouted that out of, you know, just being on the internet. And <laughs> so, you know, I don't. Maybe I should check a Know Your Meme, but uh, I don't know this one.
2: Who knows? You might be listed there. I think I'm listed That's on right. a Know Your Meme page or two. Uh, <laughs> our next meme is one that I thought was particularly funny. It's just a four-panel frog comic, and the first panel is the big yellow frog, and he says, Frogo, help! Can you stay over five minutes? And then you see Frogo and... and by the way, the whole situation is like burning down around them. And Frago's in the back of the room and he goes, oh shit. And as he starts to fade, he says, I'm already. And then in parentheses, it just says clocked out. <laughs>
0: and I gotta tell you, one of my
2: formative memories as a young man was walking into a Best Buy and asking somebody who was in a Best Buy employee outfit, walking out of the Best Buy where something was and having him brusquely say, I'm clocked out. <laughs> and I thought he was so rude then, but now I think of that man as a hero. <laughs>
0: <Hell> yeah. <laughs> the customer is in fact almost always wrong.
2: When he said fuck you under his breath, he was right to do that.
0: <laughs> 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 oh, man. And so this last one, <laughs> I like this one even though it's very, very simple. So <laughs> folks have seen this format I think before the four panel. I would go to work if X was Y, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This was that, you know, the different alternate world where going to work would not suck, <laughs> a.k.a. socialism. Um, but, and so this one is, I would go to work if this was the boss and then it's the sleepy time T-Bear. Oh. And then this was the uniform and it's the clothes the sleepy time Tea bear wears. <laughs> <laughs> and then this was the office and it's the room, the sleepy time tea bears. <laughs> and then this was the job and it's the sleepy time tea. Bear. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah just just vibing.
2: I love the sleepy time tea bear so much because like you never see a sleepy time tea commercial, but we all know no. and love sleepy time tea.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is such a soothing, comforting illustration. I love it. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Hell Yeah.
1: All right, well, with that, we're going to wrap for this episode. We want to thank everyone who supports the show. And if you'd like to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash workstoppage. It is the only way that we receive funding, and we really, really appreciate it. It means so much to us you can also write a review anywhere jump in the discord and come check out our meme channel or some of the other labor news that you know maybe doesn't always uh make it into the episode you can follow john on twitter at facebook villain follow the pod at work stoppage pod listen to beep beep lettuce listen to red game table and then as always labor peace is not in our interest and solidarity forever
2: Solidarity with the sleepy time T Bear.
0: <laughs> Solidarity, everybody. Fuck you, Rizdie. Pay the workers. Yeah. Then I say, go slowly. as the cheering
2: voices be. But the all, We are Beverly